a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. There's been an update to the security protocols uh, at the United States Capitol. In the past, there have been there have been you know metal detectors at the door. If you've ever been to the United States Capitol, you'll know that uh, to get in outside of COVID times, to get into the building, uh, you don't need any special permission. You don't need to be escorted or anything. The general public uh, has open access to uh, the United States Capitol as well as the office buildings that support the work done in that building. You do, though, need to uh, submit to a a metal detector. And if you have a purse, sometimes that will be checked. And there are some prohibited items that you're not able to, to carry in. Now, there is an exception. There has been historically an exception to those individuals who uh, who move in and out of the Capitol, and that's the members of Congress themselves. They have an identifying pin, and if you are wearing that identifying pin, uh, you don't you don't need to pass through those metal detectors. And that's often been uh, a handy tool for members of Congress to get in and out quickly, uh, to have meetings outside and then inside. And anyway, it just frees up. Their ability to to move around. Well, that's different now. Members of Congress now themselves will need to pass through the metal detectors. And there's an interesting note uh, included by the now acting sergeant at arms. Members are reminded, members of Congress are reminded that pursuant to the firearms regulations that members received on opening day, firearms are restricted to a member's office. Thank you in advance for your cooperation. Now, why why did why was that included? Well, you see, there is that Colorado representative, Representative Bobert, uh, a young woman recently elected to Congress, and she has made it her mission to uh, be one of the first members of Congress to openly carry a firearm there on the Capitol complex. Well, she's reminded here by the acting sergeant at arms that uh, sure, yeah, but keep that in your office. Keep it in your office. Additionally, members uh, members of Congress are now required to wear masks uh, when entering and while in the chamber. And if and listen, you have heard there be some back and forth in the past between members on the floor who are uh, you know big mask proponents and those who are reluctant to wear or hesitant to wear masks or simply don't want to wear a mask. Well, this now from the acting sergeant at arms, uh, it is. <laughs> they are up in the ante. Members are reminded. I'll read exactly the language shared with members of Congress by the sergeant at arms. Members are reminded that they are required to wear masks when entering and while in the chamber. Get this. Members not wearing a mask will not be admitted to the floor, and members who fail to wear a mask will be removed from the floor. Members who fail to wear a mask will be removed from the floor. That's intense. 
Anyway, that's all a tangent. What I want to talk to you about now is something that transpired at the U.S.-Mexico border, specifically in Alamo, Texas, uh, about an hour and a half ago. That was the site of the first delivery of prepared remarks by the President of the United States since the horrific events of last Wednesday. Talked about a number of things. He talked primarily about border security and this new section of wall that has been recently completed. Symbolically, the 450th mile of border wall that the Trump administration has built. He talked a lot about that. He talked about uh, border security and the, the, the efforts of those whose duty it is to patrol the border. Uh, and then he also, of course, as you heard uh, before we cut away to the FBI, he talked about the events of last Wednesday and where responsibility lies. Now is the time for our nation to heal, and it's time for peace and for calm, respect for law enforcement, and the great people within law enforcement. I've been keeping track of uh, Republican reactions to uh, both this event and others, and Ohio Senator Rob Portman, uh, Senator Portman, uh, he Republican, mind you, he has said that the president now needs to stand up and strongly call on those uh, who are predicted to be engaged this coming weekend and during the inauguration of committing, uh, you know, similar violence to that, that which we saw last week. Senator Portman says, President, you bear the responsibility to uh, put everyone uh, at ease and to call for peace not only generally but specifically in what certain law enforcement agencies have identified as planned demonstrations. And demonstration is, uh, is an understatement. Some of the plans that have been discovered and revealed uh, by the FBI to take place all across this country, the descriptions put forth by the FBI uh, bear striking resemblance to what we witnessed just last week. Senator Portman says that the president bears responsibility for uh, for stopping that, that he is in a uniquely uh, situated position to say, listen, stay home this weekend. Stay home on the 20th. His call there from the border wall, was it enough? 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Let me know what you think. Uh, the president's remarks continued uh, as he talked about those uh, that marched on the Capitol. Millions of our citizens watched on Wednesday as a mob stormed the Capitol and trashed the halls of government. As I have consistently said throughout my administration, we believe in respecting America's history and traditions, not tearing them down. Do you buy that? The president continued saying that the attempt to impeach him uh, impeach him again is, quote, a witch hunt. Phrase we haven't heard from the president in a little while. It's been a few weeks at least. The impeachment hoax is a continuation of the greatest and most vicious witch hunt in the history of our country and is causing tremendous anger and division and pain far greater than most people will ever understand, which is very dangerous for the USA, especially at this very tender time. Who's experiencing that anger? Is it you? Do talks of impeachment anger you? 
57500. The president continued his remarks. Uh, remember, as we started the program today, we looked at two avenues down which those seeking to punish the president could travel. Number one is uh, impeachment. The president just responded to that. The other, the other, which will likely be voted on on the floor of the House of Representatives in just a few short hours, has to do with the 25th Amendment. The president offered comment on that. Free speech is under assault like never before. The 25th Amendment is of zero risk to me. The president said also that the 25th Amendment could come back to haunt President-elect Biden. I'm not sure what that means. Now, the purpose of the visit to the border was to focus on border issues. The president did take some time talking uh, about what's been going on down down there and the efforts in law enforcement that have been executed here uh, is at greater length a portion of what the president had to say uh, about immigration along the border. We actually had 27,000 Mexican soldiers guarding our borders over the last two years. Nobody thought that was possible. And... They made it very, very difficult, and that's why the numbers were able to plunge even during the construction of the wall. And by the way, one of the big elements of the wall that make it so successful is we can have far fewer people working now. They can be working on other things, other things related to crime and drug prevention and a lot of other elements they're working on because we saved massive numbers of people. And included here, we have the most sophisticated camera systems and most sophisticated electronic systems anywhere in the world. We implemented three historic agreements with the Northern Triangle. That's Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Under these critical asylum cooperation agreements, the burden of illegal immigration is now shared all across the region. Now, when an illegal immigrant is arrested at our border, they can be sent to a neighboring country instead of into a U.S. community. The president also said that the construction of this wall uh, at all of its great length has contributed to keeping COVID out of the country. Uh, that's that. We're going to take a break. When we return for the final segment of today's program, we're going to be speaking with a, a political expert, someone who has served as an advisor to some big political names that you recognize, as well as a campaign manager and former chairman of the Republican Party here in the state of Utah. Dave Hansen will join me to talk about some announcements by a long list of major companies throughout this nation who are going to be withholding their political contributions for the foreseeable future. Why have they made that that decision? And what impact will it have on elections going forward? That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.